Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Building PA Podcast, a podcast dedicated and recorded for and by the construction professionals of the great state of Pennsylvania. I am John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association. I'm joined by uh, Chris Martin, as always. Chris, how are we doing? Hey, John, how are you doing? Uh, Good. For everybody out there, this is Chris Martin. I'm president of Atlas Marketing, and we tell stories for people who build things. So this is what we're doing today, right? What, uh, who are we talking with, John? Today, we have a cool episode, a nice, nice episode on a topic that perhaps some construction professionals take uh, for granted, and that's uh, cybersecurity. And our expert, superstar expert here, is a friend of mine I've known for a decade plus, probably 15 years or so, Michael Brodzinski from Locked In Companies. Michael, how are we doing today? Doing great, John. Chris, thank you guys very much for having me on today. It is a pleasure to be joining your podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You just want to maybe say a few opening comments on yourself and your company and just let us let the audience know who is Michael. <laughs> sure. So, you know, not as important as who is Michael maybe is who is Lockton. So, Lockton Companies, we are an independent, privately held insurance brokerage and consulting firm. We, uh, we started the business, Jack Lockton started the business, just like many contractors start their business, in 1966 in Kansas City. He was at a very large firm. He thought, you know, we could do things a little bit better. We could service clients differently uh, by being private and independent. So he started the business as a surety broker, um, and, and really has, the business has grown exponentially over the last 55 years here, 60 years, and we are now in 100 offices all over the world. We are the eighth largest broker in, in the world, and we recently, over the last year and a half, we opened an office in Pittsburgh, and we opened an office in State College as well. We focus on insurance, employee benefits, surety, and we're going to talk today about cyber insurance, I believe is the topic. Absolutely. Uh, myself, I've been in the insurance industry helping contractors for over 15 years, like John said. Um, I focus my business, my specialty niche practice uh, as a strategic risk advisor, helping contractors, design firms, project owners really understand the risks that they face um, from a general liability, property, uh, design, build, delivery methods, a variety of different fa factors. And what we do is we really help those firms identify their risk compartmentalize it, and then transfer it to insurance and surety when needed. Um, so that's really, you know, a little bit about me. Yeah, I live in Pittsburgh, and uh, we also uh, have an office in State College, like I mentioned. Well, we're excited to have you on today, Michael. This is uh, always fun to talk to you. We're not obviously together. I'm in the center part of the state. You're in Pittsburgh, but I'm sure we'll see each other soon enough in life. But anyways, let's talk about the topic of the day, brother. How about cyber insurance? So you want to first maybe set the foundation and uh, you know just explain to our audience about about the topic. Sure. So you know we we have 52,000 clients that locked in all over the world, and we surveyed many of them. And what came out of that survey and and, and through other research is that cybercrime is really the number one concern of CEOs across all industry segments. 
so when we when we started to dig into the data um, and we and we looked at the survey respondents from the construction industry in, in particular, we noticed that about 75% of those respondents um, have had some sort of cyber breach over the last year within the construction industry. And when you when you think about you know that staggering uh, amount of three out of every four contractors, design firms, project owners having some sort of cyber breach, it really is a compelling, compelling stat. Um, yeah. So, so when you think about the just the cyber criminal enterprise from a from a national perspective, it's roughly a six trillion dollar a year industry. Hmm. Um, Every single cyber breach that occurs on average, on average, is a $3.8 million loss to the firm that is, that is breached. Um, and this isn't just, you know, your global firms that are the giant firms you would think of, um, national contractors, global contractors, global design firms. You know, many of the, the most significant cyber breaches have been targeted to firms with employees under 1,000 people. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, of the three out of every four contractors, I mean, are you, have you seen it locally? And do you know, without naming names, obviously, but do you know some local contractors that have had issues? Absolutely. I mean, some of, some of the larger breaches um, that we are familiar with have come out of local areas. What's, what's ironic is it's not just the contractors, right? It's the, it's the industry in general, John. So it's, it's the fact that there, there's so much data being shared between multiple parties, design firms to, to owners, owners to contractors, contractors to subcontractors. We're sharing all of this information on a very consistent, real-time basis out, you know, in the internet, into cyberspace, um, where these transactions can be hacked by cyber criminals. You can steal data. Um, there's a variety of different ways that they do it. I think the most familiar way that people are, are, are used to and what we hear the most about is ransomware, mm -hmm. you know, where a cyber criminal will, will hack your system, hold your data, for ransom, not release it until the ransom is paid, that sort of thing. But to give you an example of just a leg legitimately, I can't make this stuff up, this happened last week. I was with a very large project owner who this topic came up, and, and, and this project owner told me about a situation, and this is what we call invoice manipulation, where the project owner owed a contractor roughly $2.3 million in an accounts payable. The owner's accounts accounting team, their finance team, received an email. Now, this email was from a cyber criminal, a breach, but they did not know it because the email came across to the project owner's team. It looked exactly like the contractor's email. It had the contractor, the, the accounts receivable person's name, signature in the email. And what the email asked for was that the account payable be sent to a different routing number 
then where we where our owner was sending the payments and a different you know a different invoice number hmm. so our accounting team sent it just be, you know it looked like everything oh. else that comes across their desk and they sent 2.2 oh. million to this to this to this account then they get a call from the contractor saying hey we never received our 2.2 2.3 million whatever the number was and then we start the process of identifying, oh my goodness, what the heck happened? We sent it, you didn't receive it, where did this money go? Um, without the proper insurance coverage, without the proper identification and consulting up front, without having the means to recover that, that contractor would have been left holding a $2.2, $2.3 million empty bag of accounts receivables unless that owner can send another 2.2 2.3 million dollar check that money is out there in cyberspace so long story <laughs> but that's the kind of things that are happening today in the construction space it's not the t traditional packing ransomware that stuff's going to happen you know this three out of four numbers a real thing where it's not a matter of like if something's going to happen it's when is it going to happen and then how do you prepare for it? That, that story that you told, I, last year, right around the same time, I heard a similar story of a contractor based in Harrisburg. And I think there was, their amount was $1.7 or so from the owner to them. And it was the same exact story, the way you described it, with the fake setup email and the fake, you know, everything. So crazy. Yeah, it's definitely out there. It's definitely a, a real serious issue. Um, but con concerning, you know, you mentioned three out of four amongst the entire industry. Do you feel or do you see that there's different stakeholders that are either well-equipped or better equipped than other stakeholders, whether it's owners, GC subs, or, or is everyone kind of at the same stage and we're all learning together and defending together? Well, I think, you know, you always think that the, you know, what I see is the larger contractors, um, you know, with risk management programs and teams, uh, probably a little ahead of the game. Um, pr project owners that, you know, CapEx owners that have, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in their, in their pipeline to, to build new projects are probably a little bit ahead of the game. But this is, you know, this isn't something historical. You know, contractors and design firms are really good at managing risk. You know, they're very good at identifying contractually um, what could potentially cause their firm damages and then working through contract language, working with insurance professionals, working with surety professionals like us on identifying how to transfer those risks. So this is something that's, I, I would call it new because while, you know, major mega projects major firms have identified this maybe the last five years. You know, over the last year and a half, two years, we're seeing this invoice manipulation example occur more frequently. We're seeing these, um, you know, stolen employee data, uh, you know, social security numbers, bad actors within the organizations where the middle market contractors, the privately owned firms that, you know, live and die on their margin can really be affected by one 
situation. And those are the ones that we're trying to educate and we're trying to help with things like what we're doing right here today. And it's really an awareness campaign, John and Chris, more than anything. You know, there's absolutely insurance coverages that can help firms recover, can help cover the costs of the forensics analysis, the digging into the data, the replacement costs, the cost to to provide um, security measures on a go-forward basis for employees' information that was breached, right? Again, the social security numbers, the HIPAA information, things that contractors hold on their employees, if that's breached, you know, now you have to provide ongoing credit reporting, ongoing cybersecurity reporting to those employees, and that can be very costly. There's insurance to, 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 to fix that, to help with that. But that's not really what it's about. It's really about making sure our contractors who are good at managing risk push this information to their employee base so their employees in accounts receivables, accounts payables, all employees, CFOs know that if they get an awkward email from their CEO to maybe pick up the phone and call first before sending an invoice for a couple hundred grand um, to, to an account just because they received an email. You know, so it's, a, it's more of an awareness campaign, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, for all stakeholders in, in the construction industry. Michael, I have a question. Uh, you know, and I will be perfectly blunt, this is a sales pitch for a client of mine. Um, <laughs> they are a cybersecurity uh, data encryption firm. Uh, they've got a lot of experience in Europe and their platform literally takes one, uh, whatever email it is, data encryption, breaks it up, and then connects it back again on the end side. Something like that might be of benefit. I agree with you in the educational component, but having a tool that you could share with your clients might be something else. And again, full disclosure, I'm bringing this up because of a client of ours. Um, we can clearly talk offline, but I, I think to really get to, the, to my question here is, are you seeing some viable options to help contractors in this instance protect themselves beyond just the education uh, component that you're talking about? Absolutely. That's, that's a good question. So we... Um so I wrote a white paper um, last fall uh, on this same topic, and in there I talked about several different ways that firms can prepare, manage, mitigate um, the, the risk of, of cyber attacks. And one of them I think is kind of similar to what you're talking about, but it, you know, besides having the awareness, which in, in the cyber security world is really called a SETA program, a security education training and awareness. Mm-hmm. SETA is the acronym for that right. program. Um, there is a, a variety of different things that firms can do within their organization. A lot of it you know, can come from your own IT network and, and security team, IT person regarding password identification, you know, two-factor authentica- authentication, um, those sorts of things. But one of the big things that I thought was unique that I learned at the Locked In Construction and Design Conference in Kansas City last year was that there, there are firms that offer ethical hacking. 
okay, which is that they can come in and they can and test your security system. And they can test your security system to see if they can get in, and then they can show you ways that they got in and then how to secure it and prevent that from happening in the future. That's really interesting. That's pretty cool, like a, almost like a, um, a mock hack, so to speak. What, Absolutely. What, it's ahead, it's called sorry. a penetration test. And, and from, from the insurance perspective, uh, you know, are there um, premium reductions or what's the real value for a, co for a contractor who, as we all know, is very focused on the bottom line? Uh, what's the value in, in taking the steps that you're talking about in your white paper and the things that you've already talked about so far in this discussion? I mean, the value is that if they don't, it's really, it, it's, the value, it's the value of not having these measures. Can they quantify what a $2.3 million empty bag of money would do to their firm in six months' time? Yeah, you just made my question sound pretty stupid, I have to admit. No, so. not at all, Chris, because what I'm, what, no, I'm, I'm not at all. Me, what I'm getting you. to. Chris, that's what, my job. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Uh, no, we like, we're up, all learning. We lighten up the topic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is new stuff. And yeah. one of the things is that, you know, done some research, only 15% of construction companies even buy cyber insurance which is unbelievable, but not unbelievable because of how new some of these exposures are. So, you know, a lot of them think that maybe it's covered under a crime policy, or maybe it's covered under my general liability insurance, or maybe they're being advised from an insurance professional that, hey, you're good to go, you don't need to buy this, don't worry about spending 10 grand to get this million dollars in, in, in limit, you know, you're covered over here. I always turn it around on, on, on the inverse, right, and that's a question the different way on, on, you know, what would happen if you don't have it. And, you know, it is just, it's, very, it's a very cost-effective solution, and I'm by no means trying to sell cyber insurance right now. I'm trying to educate, for sure, without a doubt, and consult the construction industry on these exposures. There are other ways to push it out, um, but at the same time, if, if it is available, and the, the coverage can be modified. There's, there's, no, there's no standard form, there's no ISO form for cyber insurance currently. There's a hundred different versions of it floating around in the marketplace because it can be customized, it can be tailored. And to tell you the truth, I mean, that's what our people do at Lockton. I mean, you know, we have this, this culture of empowerment that allows our people to tailor solutions to their clients. And contractors need that more than anybody because Okay, one electrical contractor could look very different than another electrical contractor. And there's firms that operate in the construction industry that advise on insurance that one day they're working with a contractor, the next day, you know, they're working with a manufacturing company. You know, we're trying to dedicate our expertise and push it down to specifically the construction world where we can get in and say, okay, let's look at your exposures. Here's how we can help. We can reduce your costs here. If we were going to save you 10%, 15% over here, let's use that excess capital, put some of it over here, and buy a cyber insurance policy. There's just a lot of different things that you can do uh, when you really dig into the numbers. Yeah. Well, um, to that point, 
you know, are, are you seeing, I mean, you just mentioned that about 15% nationally are, are contractors are, are, are purchasing this, this coverage. Are you seeing that on an uptick or is it staying steady uh, in terms of the industry? It's, that's another really good question. I, I would say it's on an uptick from the firms that we work with, the majority of our clients buy it. Um, I believe that that is also happening um, across the country. And again, it, it goes back to one of the questions that was asked before, you know, what level of stakeholder? And when you think about levels, you know, there's levels in the, the organizational chart of what a construction project looks like from a delivery system standpoint, design build, design bid build, CM, CM at risk, you know, P3, IPD, you know, we could keep going on the acronyms there. <laughs> but what we're really seeing is that a lot of what happens in construction is lagging. It comes down from a contractual obligation from an owner into the contract or from the AIA into contract that you have to have this insurance to bid this job. And, you know, that might not happen as quickly as the cyber criminals are gaining traction in the construction industry, right? Just like there's other things that have happened over time with curtain wall and, you know, a variety of other topics that have happened where, um, the con you know, the insurance industry or, or the contractual obligations are lagging the real exposures that are happening in the marketplace. Hmm. So, so you mentioned something there that was kind of piqued my interest there. Cyber insurance, so, it, so there are uh, contracts that include cyber insurance coverage between what owner and GC or? I was using the example of how, how insurance has traditionally pushed oh, its way down into. Oh, yeah, gotcha. so okay. not necessarily cyber being included, um, but we're probably going to go there at some point. Yeah, that's what I see too, especially, you know, the story you told and the one I saw too in Harrisburg with more of those cases. You know, you probably see that in your AIA docs or your consensus docs. And Look, in a, you know, negotiated bid standpoint or, or you know, that type of work gives you the opportunity to differentiate yourself too a little bit if you do have that type of protection or you have those type of protocols in place where you can tell an owner or you can tell a GC as a trade or as a design firm you can tell a GC in a design build delivery model or design builder in that design build delivery model that you do have this coverage and you're good to go. You know, it's, it could differentiate you as a firm as well. So this topic's kind of in, in your wheelhouse, it's in, it's in your life, you see all the time. And you talked about a, a conference, locked-in conference, where they, just, where they just talk about this, you know, these sort of topics. It's, now, associations like KCA and others, you know, we try and do a lot to raise awareness of this issue. In your world, do you see more that we could be doing on this topic? You know, we hosted a podcast now, we've, we've posted some white papers, uh, seminars, any, anything out there that maybe we should be doing more more of? I think you do a great job John and I'm not being facetious of educating your association base you know we joined the KCA you know a month after we opened the office and at Lockton in Pittsburgh last February and you know the stuff that you guys put out is very timely it's very relevant 
You are involved with government and negotiations and everything that you can be doing for your association base. I think what you're doing right here is, you know, a step in the right direction. Does this need to be a full-blown seminar, you know, a lunch and learn type of thing? Maybe we could do something like that. Yeah. But it's really getting feedback from, from your association as well on what they want to know. And, you know, this might be one of those topics that we can expand on. Absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't asking the question for a pat on the back, although I'll take I it. I give it. Thank you. Oh, no, man. We've known each other long enough. Yeah, I know. Come on, I know. You're running around. I see the pictures on LinkedIn, man. You're in, you're in Harrisburg. You're, out, you're there shaking hands. Yeah, no, I asked the question mainly whenever, you know, my door's always open. If you see something like, hey, John, maybe try this or do that, you know. You know my door's open to you, so feel free to let me know. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the platform. You know, just like a lot of our contractors, you know, we're, we're growing in, uh, in Pittsburgh and Central PA, and we're, we're here to help them. So, Absolutely. Well, this is a very serious topic, and you might not think it's serious unless it hits you, but uh, something, you know, contractors have to, have to keep on their radar. So we're always glad to talk about topics like that on, on the Building PA podcast. And Michael, you've been a great, uh, great guest. I don't know if you have any closing comments you'd like to share with the industry and on this topic. No, no closing comments other than I want to thank you guys again for, for having me on, having me, you know, talk a little bit about the locked-in story. You know, like I said at the beginning, we, we started this business just like so many of our contractors started their business as an entrepreneurial uh, culture. Being privately held really differentiates us in the marketplace, and uh, we look forward to to working with you out there if, if you have the need for insurance and surety. What do you say, Chris? Are you ready to go order your cyber insurance now? Oh, I, I, we get hacked all the time. In fact, I, I, I mean, I know this isn't related to what, what Michael's talking about, but I just had to have our, uh, you know, our, our Internet modem changed because we were getting so many hacks uh, on it. Um, and, you know, it, I know that, again, is not what Michael's talking about, but it's little things like that that as a business owner i don't have time to deal with i don't want to worry about it so figuring out ways to to protect your business um you know it, it's just like safety and, and i could imagine that in the coming years cyber security or or internet security or whatever you want to call it is going to be just as hot as safety is um because our transactions are are so focused on that and and to michael's comment earlier about the 2.3 million I, I don't think i would be sleeping if i you know if that happened to me so um i think this is probably going to be a, an ongoing topic that we're going to be talking with and hopefully michael will come back and uh, and we'll keep talking about it more yeah it'd be great to have you back michael yeah. uh, sounds good happy to do it uh, good Thank you. Uh, and to our listeners out there, hope, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Building PA podcast. Many more exciting episodes on the way. Stay tuned.